Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uktena, and today we'll be exploring the nature of soul retrieval as a healing modality and spiritual practice. When we come into an embodied life, we don't bring everything we are. We bring what we need. Like a rubber band, we stretch ourselves into encased existence, some of us here, the rest of us remaining in the Akashics. The less of us which is embodied, the more the body can cause us to forget who we truly are. This is not a failing, but a feature. As we expend huge amounts of effort preparing for embodied life, then living it in order to achieve our goals in whole or in part, mostly in part, Remembrance of another way of being can cause an unwanted disruption. The more of us we bring here, the more we not only remember the interconnection of all things and how prana, chi, akashic energy works, but our quote-unquote psychic senses are turned on within the body. We begin to hear each other's thoughts, understand instinctively others' motivations, feel called to help people with their issues on any or all levels, are affected by others' issues on various levels, and are unable to distinguish between the working persona of the person versus their true soul nature, just to name a few of the most basic consequences. While these senses are helpful and even necessary for souls who come to be in service, they're a hindrance to people who embody in order to learn lessons. Lives of focused learning can require a level of focus which precludes spiritual enlightenment and possibly interactions which cause pain to the soul and others. Someone coming to learn about the very rudimentary lessons of power over others and its consequences, such as a minor in the Appalachian, can be severely hindered by having his psychic senses turned on since he's in close quarters with others who are suffering day to day and which he is neither meant to help nor to connect with in this manner. So we choose how much of us to extend into an embodied life. One portion of our soul, usually a small portion of the whole, is engaged interconnectedly with the body, mind, emotions of this life, to the exclusion of all else, while the rest of the soul remains in the Akashics. The portion that remains, which is sometimes characterized as the higher self, is not separate from us, although from the embodied side of things it can seem to be. Again, this is on purpose, in order for us to focus on the life we're living, because embodied life is complicated, hard work, and requires all of our attention. The level of difficulty even increases for souls who come to be in service, as they're adding not only their own need to be, experience, and thrive, but to help others do the same as well. How the soul is able to have two different experiences at the same time, being both in the Akashics in their normal state and embodied here, is due to time. Anywhere but embodied life, time is not linear. Time is not even necessarily relevant in any way which we can understand in our current evolution. For something to wrap our brains around, a concept we can't really visualize, It can be helpful to think of everything happening in the Akashics as now. Everything is now all the time. 
everyone is nowing all at once in a non-contradictory fashion. However, when we come here, we enter into a bubble, a construct where time runs in a linear fashion, a place where there is past, present, and future all running in one direction, where cause precedes effect, and the order of how things happened is relevant. The boundary between these, the edge of this bubble, is currently being discovered by science in the field of physics where experiments are defining the working of the zero-point field. For each individual soul, the bubble occurs in the prana-chi-akashic energy field at the top of the head, or when we move beyond the seventh chakra. This can also be seen in the Kabbalah's Tree of Life in our interactions with Kater. In Lesson 2 of my class, Discover Kabbalah and the Tree of Life, students access this barrier and reconnect with their higher self consciously. Once a soul enters into embodiment, they are interconnected intimately with time. All aspects of embodied life are time-constrained, from the growth and decline of the body, to the maturation of the emotional self, and the unfolding and possible decline of the mind. The soul, while eternal, seeks out this experience in order to grow and become, therefore participates fully in these processes. Soul retrieval is a healing modality, which has been created in order to intervene when things go wrong with the integration. We all have experienced the contradiction of time being malleable while simultaneously being inflexible and inexorable. We learn this very quickly as children. When we're doing something we love, or which absorbs us to the exclusion of all else, time seems to fly, or have no relevance at all. We lose track of it, as it were. On the other hand, when we don't want to do something, time seems to attenuate, becoming double or triple its normal length and seeming to drag. Meanwhile, the march of time never ends in its regularity and implacability, hence we talk about how it can be wasted if it's not used properly, because it's here and then it's gone. The malleability of time comes, in part, from how much our soul and or our body are active and predominant in any given situation. Something which is on our path and brings us joy an activity or experience which brings our soul to the fore and leaves it in control of a situation will cause time to drop away, allowing us to experience timelessness. On the other hand, if a situation is so dangerous that we may experience grievous harm, time will attenuate as our body takes control of a situation to act in our best interest and hopefully prevent it. In a dangerous situation, our body becomes predominant. It's almost as if the various aspects of self are a hand of cards, which is shuffled into a different order. Normally, we live in our mind, where time is orderly. We can navigate and feel nominally in control of the present, and we can co-create our future with support from our body, input from our emotions, and the wisdom of our soul. In a moment of trauma, our body comes to the fore. Our soul steps back out of the way, taking our emotions with it, or at least keeping them quiet, and our mind works solely as a data collector for sensory input. For example, if you're in a car accident, 
Say someone hits you in the driver's side door. Not enough to cause severe physical harm, but the car is buckled into a half-moon shape and slides sideways a bit. The other driver is fine, but shaken up. In those moments, you can feel the mind has stepped back. The body takes over. Everything goes on autopilot as we take stock of our own health, the state of the car, where we are, and what we need to do next. We react as necessary to get ourselves and others out of harm's way, to get the cars out of the way of traffic if possible, swap information, call the police, and what have you. During all this, it's as if time has stopped or is moving completely differently from normal. It's as if we're in a bubble, separate from other people in normal life. We react in a heightened state, aware of every detail which can make the situation seem even more surreal. It's only after all the paperwork is done, the situation is quote-unquote over, when all the reacting and acting have played out. The time starts again. This is completely normal and expected. In these situations, our body goes through a four-step dance. One is the traumatic event, physical, emotional, mental, or spiritual. The second is to adrenalize, the fight-flight-or-freeze response. Third, we react. And fourth, we recover. During step one, the soul moves back out of the way, while the body deals and it returns in step four when it receives the message from the body, all is well and safe. It's easy to recognize when this return occurs, because time begins again. The details of what happens stop being a linear progression of necessary actions with heightened sensory input, and instead start to become a story we are telling ourselves in order to make meaning of what happened. This is when we start to make sense of it all, and incorporate it into ourselves, into the whole of who we are, into the tapestry of our experiences, history, and eventually wisdom. It's when memories of what happened come flooding back in, filling in the gaps. Because while our minds are the physical database structure which catalogs, collates, and creates from the data we acquire, our soul is where the data actually resides. Unfortunately, or fortunately, there are times when this process doesn't work smoothly. There are times when the soul does not return in step four, allowing the memories, the events, and time to flow again. We see this in survivors of genocide, hostages held over long periods of time, victims of rape or molestation, especially traumatic situations which continue for months or years. The soul moves back in order to protect the person in the moment, but does not receive a signal that things are safe, so it doesn't come back. Over time, the body acclimates to its new state of being, and so the signal seems to never come. This can lead to memory gaps, incomplete or convoluted timelines, and confusion on whether events happened at all, let alone how they happened. This is not to say someone who has suffered through a traumatic event or trauma over long periods of time has no soul. Bodies cannot survive without souls. Nor is it true that a soul can be separated into various parts like a puzzle. Instead, what is happening is the part of the soul connected with this moment in time, or what is commonly called a soul part, becomes distinct from the whole. 
I call them soul moments, because this is what they are, individual moments of ourselves which have become isolated unto themselves. For them, time is arrested, neither going forward nor going back, constantly in a now which they can neither change nor affect, waiting to reconnect with the living timeline which is our embodied life. The rest of our soul, the interconnected moments, remain and continue on with life, Hence, survivors can remember what happens after the events and can build a life for themselves with partners and children, careers and friends. However, those parts associated with the trauma, and there can be as many as there were incidents, remain disassociated and isolated. Soul retrieval is a healing modality where a practitioner can help a person retrieve these soul moments and assist them in reintegrating in order to achieve wholeness of self. Many different indigenous cultures understand the need for this and have their own rituals and practices for achieving it. Some have the healer connect with the person and follow what amounts to spiritual tracks to the place where these soul moments reside in the time-space matrix. They offer a means for the soul moment to journey with them back to their person and then help the two reconnect. Others provide means for the patient to journey on their own to the area and retrieve the moments either through meditations, ceremony, or medicinal herbs which alter perception. No matter what spiritual practice is used, the basics of the process are the same. Prior to any healing work being done, the person requesting healing must be fully prepared to receive and accept the soul moment which is returning. This moment will not only bring memories of the event, possibly triggering flashbacks and new emotional responses to current events, but also will carry emotional issues as yet unprocessed concerning the events and all which surrounds them. The younger the person was when the soul moment separated, the more emotional processing and maturing will be required. Once the practitioner feels the patient is prepared, they will provide safe and sacred space for the healing. They will either journey to the area where soul moments reside or will support the patient in journeying there. It's not uncommon for practitioners to work with an animal guide or spirit being who takes them into the realm of the waiting, of the lost, and help them find the patient's moment which is ready to return. The practitioner will hold space while the soul moment is contacted, assured of its safety and its welcome, then offered a means to return. The healer or patient will return with the soul moment and help it integrate with the patient. This is usually a pleasant emotional experience of reunion, which brings a feeling of well-being. After the healing session, the practitioner should do follow-up or aftercare, as the process of healing actually begins in earnest once the session is successfully completed. After the moment returns and feels safe to stay, all of the information it has carried, including the emotions in the moment, the details, the fears and struggle for survival, all will come back and not necessarily in any linear fashion. In fact, the earlier the moment in a person's life, the less linear the unfolding, as the data was stored and experienced in the unstructured, creative, and experiential mode of the child. People who have suffered trauma in their lives can often feel lost, hollow, as if something is missing which they can't quite put their finger on. Some who suffer in childhood can point to entire years or groups of years 
which are simply a blank. Not because nothing happened, but because things happened which they needed to survive. They know they happened, not because they remember, but because others have told them so, or because they can feel around the blank spots, like their tongue feeling around the area where a tooth used to be. They continue to move past what happened and build the best lives they can, but there's always something missing. Some call what is missing closure, others call it a cessation of nagging incompleteness, and still others feel as if it's the monster in the closet or the other shoe to drop. It's as if something terrible is hanging over them like impending disaster, but the something never comes. The feeling can be unbearable in its utter certainty, and yet its complete absence of anything tangible. Soul retrieval is a means to begin the healing of this disconnect, to put time back into its proper order, give us back our memories, knit us back into wholeness. It allows our body to fully acknowledge and accept that it is finally safe and capable of keeping us safe as adults. It allows our soul to come back into harmony with this embodied life and move forward towards a better life full of blessings. It's not for the faint of heart, but it can be exactly what we need to put all the pieces into place. And that's all the time we have this week. Next time, we'll be talking about how working in the Akashics is not only an exploration, but a relationship to be fostered via good conversation. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please take a minute to show it some love on iTunes. Your comments are also appreciated. Thanks. Bye.